Welcome to Technovation. I'm your host, Peter High. My guest today is Casey Santos. Casey is the Chief Information Officer of Assurian, a global provider of insurance, repair, replacement, installation, and 24 by 7 support for cell phones, laptops, and household appliances with roughly 30,000 employees worldwide and roughly 300 million customers. She took on her role nearly a year ago. As someone who onboarded into her role during the pandemic, Casey has had reason to think about how to bring in great, talented people and to motivate them to stay during a period when so many companies have found that challenging. I look forward to covering that among a variety of other topics with her. Prior to her current role, Casey was a technology executive at Alliance Bernstein, at General Atlantic, and at McKinsey, where she was also a consultant for a time. Casey Santos, welcome to Technovation. Great to speak with you today. Good to be here. And now for a word from our partner, Zoho and the company's president, Timothy Casby. Prior to taking on his current role, he was the chief information officer of a number of companies, including Reliance Industries, Sears, Intrexon, and the Warehouse Group. He's now at Zoho, a most unusual enterprise software company, and wanted to share some perspectives from it. Timothy, take it away. Thanks, Peter. Since we started our partnership with you a couple of years ago, we have seen an increase of 30 million users on our cloud. Totaling now, to over 70 million users in the global enterprise using Zoho SaaS platform to run their businesses. One of the reasons for this growth is continuous innovation we have focused on in bringing together disconnected and siloed processes under the platform called Zoho One. Zoho One Suite offers over 50 products to run your business. We have now powered it with Zia, our AI assistant and Zoho's BI analytics platform. This allows users to speak the same language across departments and organizations through predictions and insights the platform provides. Learn more at zoho.com slash one. And now on to the interview. Well, Casey, um, I wanted to begin with Assurian. Uh, I've just provided a thumbnail sketch in, ter- in terms of the business, the diverse array of things that you're involved in as a business. Can you uh, take it from there and offer a little bit more color commentary into the business you're in? Sure. Um, so as you mentioned, Assurian, we're here to provide a great tech experience for our customers. And so we carry that through in a very customer-centric way, making sure that the experience is um, pleasant as you try to work through, whether it be fixing or replacing one of your devices or just trying to optimize how you use it. Um, over the years, you know, we started more in the warranty and insurance uh, world, and we have um, been transforming our business throughout uh, many years, and with most recently our acquisition of the Ubreak I Fix stores, which are being re- rebranded as Assurian stores. So we have a retail presence um, and can reach customers where they are, whether it be in their homes when they needed support through connected home product, or through our major appliance repair businesses. So really exciting company. We've, we're global. We are very tech centric. To create those great experiences, we use technology to help our experts as well as to create a good experience for our customers on their side. So, Hailwinds, your your business has as well. You talk about the various devices you you uh, help uh, help your customers with. The proliferation of devices for all of us uh, has spelled <laughs> remarkable opportunity for for your organization, no doubt. Uh, and you see in some of the statistics I mentioned in the introduction as to the scale of your operation. Uh, but one, as you point out, that's becoming a lot more tech-centric. Now, you run IT. You are the chief mm-hmm. information officer of the organization. Talk a bit about your purview as a technologist within this more tech-centric organization, more broadly speaking, please. Yeah. So, um, 
you know, the technology team does everything kind of your basic infrastructure support and all of our regular um, tools that any company would need in technology, right? Your kind of laptop support, mobile devices, et cetera. But in addition, we provide the technology that underpins our supply chain. So things to optimize across our many uh, locations throughout the globe as we move hardware and replacement parts for different devices and as we bring devices in for repair. So that's a very interesting logistics um, problem, as well as the technology that supports our experts. Our experts need tools that uh, help them optimize their ability to to support. So whether it be knowledge tools um, that provide uh, information of, you know, I get a call about a particular device. Um, It's hard to know every detail about every device all the time. So being able to feed that information to them quickly so that they can answer questions more um, effectively. And uh, really, we have a saying here where we say um, we're remarkably human, delightfully simple, and actually helpful. So that technology underpins that experience of of making sure that we're able to create um, just an exceptional experience for our customers. Um, So yeah, so my technology team helps support all of that. We also own enterprise architecture function. So we make sure that as we grow and change that we're using um, the best technology and consistent and and, um, leveraging and and evolving our our roadmap. That's interesting. I mean, in many ways, I can imagine uh, you know, you have an ability to live your customer's journey a bit as well. You're using those same sorts of technologies and the extent to which they may have issues. Uh, to what extent are you able to be sort of a customer zero of sorts for a sure? <laughs> I recognize it's not a perfect analogy, but, but uh, oh, no. yeah, I know I am. I that. mean, well, I mean, one is within our technology team, we want to make sure we're providing that same experience to our um, employees, right. Worldwide. Um, but you know, we are all users of these devices. And um, so sometimes I'm a, a beta tester. So we have a very interesting product for piloting right now called Mobile Mechanics. So someone came to my driveway and um, did a maintenance check and changed the oil in my car, right? That was pretty awesome. That's a very early product, very exciting one that we're just uh, piloting. Um, I, my husband's phone the other day, he's got, my husband insists on using an iPhone 8, which I love, but um, he, uh, need a new battery. So, you know, going to the Assurian store and getting to that experience of changing out your battery and making sure it's a, a top-notch experience. Um, we all are users of technology. And, and so uh, seeing how that plays out and then how we can make that experience better is really critical as part of our role. That makes sense. And you talked about the growing physical presence, uh, which is relatively recent in the in the company's history. Talk a bit about the role that technology is going to play there now that you have more of an omni-channel uh, approach that you were developing with the proliferation of some of these stores. Yeah. So, um, you know, these these stores are, are a critical way to reach um, consumers and whether it be through our relationships we have with the carriers and giving just more places for people to come in person and have that in-person touch. Um, that's one way of doing it. Um, you know, it's, it's also, you know, the phone experience, the messaging, we have a messaging platform. So if you're more of a chat person, we have that ability to provide chat support, to you know, really meeting customers where they are. And, and I think the biggest change um, has been this, uh, moving people out into the field, coming to your home, helping with your connected home product, that creates a whole nother set of tools and um, things that we need to provide 
um, to our experts so that they can be um, really effective in a in a home or you know in a driveway for for instance. So um, the technology has to cut across um, everything from kind of lead generation to how we handle our field operations, um, our scheduling tools, et cetera. So the technology underpins all of that. I mentioned, uh, Casey, that you joined the company during the pandemic and therefore onboarded presumably primarily um, at a distance uh, yeah. in quarantine. <laughs> and I, that had to have given you a new appreciation uh, as to the complexities and differences to, relative to other transitions you've had from one company to another, which I have to imagine is also educated your own thought process about how how to welcome uh, future colleagues of yours, uh, members of your team who would perhaps also primarily be joining uh, um, at a distance uh, uh, virtually as opposed to offices. I realize you have some new offices, perhaps we'll get into that as well. Yeah. Uh, so you, you very much see a return, at least to some extent, back to offices also. But talk a bit about how your own personal experience has helped you think about um, deepening and, and improving the experience of subsequent associates and colleagues of yours who've joined uh, after you. Yeah, I think one thing that really struck me is um, having been on this side of it coming in is it's very hard to get to know everybody through remote, you know, through Zoom calls. And it, I mean, thank goodness we have Zoom. It would have been much harder with just voice back in the day, right? Um, but, uh, you know, a lot of people, a lot of companies were able to leverage what we call a cultural bank of currency, per se, right? You already had relationships built with people across the organization. When you join a new organization, um, you don't have that, right? So you're starting from scratch. You're trying to build relationships. Um, you have to be very, very thoughtful about it. The team here did a great job of onboarding me and was very thoughtful about making sure I met all the right people across many different parts, functions of the organization, but it was a lot of work. And we did notice that when we started to see, you know, when we have had attrition, it is much higher among people that started during COVID, right? So those connections are, people are feeling that. So as we think through coming back, you know, uh, to returning to office or a hybrid mode of work, right? Where we're more flexible, um, we have to think about how we create a good experience and how do we leverage those in-person moments for what's really most valuable about them. It's that interaction, it's that collaboration, it's that relationship building. We just did open a wonderful, new, beautiful office uh, here in Nashville. Um, it's an incredible, it's built for collaboration and innovation. It's an incredible space. And as we've brought people in, um, you know, we're not, 100% back, but we're coming in in, in spurts. And uh, when we do, we bring them in for innovation sessions and the, the feedback has been really, really strong. And so as we think about hybrid, how do we create um, level experiences? We have seen when you have people in the office and then you try to connect people in through video, how do we create that so that the people on either side don't feel they're not being part of the conversation, right? So we're looking at different technology to help enable that experience. And then really concentrating our time together uh, in person around those innovation experiences instead of coming to the office and sitting and staring at your computer, right? Like that's, you know, that's great, but how do you also make sure you're interacting with others when you are together? Yeah. 
And if I, if I recall the timeline correctly, and please do correct me if I've got it incorrect, uh, Casey, that a lot of the planning around the new headquarters and, and building and so forth was pre-COVID. And therefore, there was yeah. probably a whole number of assumptions naturally about how and where work would be done that uh, predated a lot of the changes, mindset changes, uh, and otherwise that have resulted from the length of this experiment we've been put through as a result <laughs> of the pandemic. I wonder how has... How, if if much, has changed in terms of the plans of how those spaces are set up and what they'll be used for? You alluded a little bit to some of those differences, but I'd love to delve a little bit more deeply into that as a result of um, how work yeah. has been done successfully or not, as the case may be, during the past two two years in quarantine and, and, and yeah. the pandemic. I mean, I feel really blessed that we had a really good head start, right? We had built this building. We're a very innovative, very uh, we have journey teams. We're um, very um, collaborative by nature. And so when we designed this building, we did de design it for those experiences. What we didn't probably put as much focus on is what happens when you have two people at home and eight in a really great room, right? So we had invested in really top-notch AV equipment. And um, I think the one area that um, we've done some investment. We'll probably grow the investment in is more kind of electronic whiteboarding capabilities and and how you integrate in tools to create those sticky note experiences or um, design thinking kinds of uh, exercises. How do you do that with one part of the team remote, the other part of the team in a room? So that's the area we'll probably lean into a little more. Um, like I said, we have a great head start. So we've got facilities that are made for this, but definitely will be leaning into that a little bit in 2022. Very much makes sense. And I, I know that, I mean, obviously this has also been a trying time for a lot of organizations, as you point out, right? Uh, many like you have had had issues, some more uh, more dramatic than you, I would imagine, uh, in terms of great people leaving, especially those who joined during the the pandemic, a little bit more difficulty in sort of feeling the culture of the organization, feeling like you're part of something bigger than just yourself, uh, mm -hmm. et cetera. And I know you've put a lot of thought into ways to counterbalance that and, and new methods to use in order to attract great talent. Can you talk about at least some of the uh, philosophical points that have come to mind as a result of your own thought process relative to this? Yeah, I mean, I think there's two areas. I think about attracting great people, and then I think about retaining great people, and they are very much intertwined, right? So when it comes to attracting people, I think the days of, um, in this market, the days of just posting a job on LinkedIn, expecting 100 people to apply to it, or, you know, those days are wishful thinking, right? So it's going to be more about um, having a personal connection with people out there in the industry, making sure people know our story, know what, what a great place we are to work, what kind of culture we have. I think we have a great story to tell. It's a great place to be. Um, but making sure we get that word out and we're engaged in our community, right? Um, whether that be the technology community or doing nonprofit work, we have a really amazing foundation and, and nonprofit um, efforts here that we do in our community and, and really leaning into that. Uh, I think, you know, we have been doing it. I think it, it slowed down a little bit during COVID just because we couldn't be with people in person. And so we're going to do more of that. But I think we are all recruiters in some respect, right? As far as telling the story and finding people um, for those roles. And then I think on the retaining, again, it was hard when we were apart to develop people, to coach people actively 
um, to grow their skills. And that's such an important part. You know, we are a technology team, but technology doesn't happen by itself. It's all about people. You know, this is a, the people are the most important part. So how do we give them opportunities, help them see a path for their career? Um, again, feel connected back to what they're doing, making sure they understand the vision and where we're going. I, I think that, again, was harder for people that were newer to an organization to understand and you know, just hard to get through to folks in video conferencing. So we'll do more to, to tell that story, to sit with people and come up with career development plans and grow their skills and, and also bring people together so they feel connected to each other. And it's easier to collaborate and understand how other people are feeling and get work done when you can um, come together, you know, periodically and hopefully as much as we can. That makes sense. You have a really interesting background, Casey. You've got an undergraduate technology degree from MIT. You've got two masters from the University of Pennsylvania in international studies, as well as an MBA. Uh, you spent time as a consultant and presumably developed kind of a toolkit as a consultant would to help a variety of different organizations with um, you know, issues or opportunities that they're facing, uh, questions they're posing that they don't immediately have their own answers to that you would provide to them. It strikes me you've got a really fascinating uh, toolkit, an unusual one, not unique perhaps for CIOs, but an unusual one nevertheless in terms of the confluence of skills you bring to the table now as a chief information officer, that you have this consultative approach, that you've got a, the business acumen from not only your experience in business, but also your MBA, that you've you know thought had reason to contemplate the broader world through your international studies uh, uh, programs, in addition to having very deep from the beginnings of your, your, your formal education uh, technical chops as well. So talk a little bit about um, kind of your own uh, you know, meanderings through your career and how, and how you've drawn upon past stops uh, to, 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 to through to your current one as a chief information officer. Yeah, I think meandering is probably the right word. Uh, it wasn't as if I mapped all this out and then had it all down in a five-year plan or anything like that. Um, I followed some of my own passions and my own observations about what I wanted to learn and grow in. So, you know, I'm a technologist, you know, I'm an engineer, um, love solving problems, uh, learned a lot from that, love, you know, the technical aspect of it. I was an aerospace engineer. I left that and went into um, kind of technology consulting, doing software development. I realized there were all sorts of business problems out there that were really interesting to solve that the technology could help, right? So started to learn a little more and realized my business acumen wasn't very strong when I was uh, challenged with coming up with an accounting system for auto dealerships. I realized I don't know what a debit is or debit or a credit is, and maybe that would be an interesting thing to learn. Um, so that led me to business school to, to round myself out a bit. Um, and from that came consulting. Um, and what I did learn with consulting, which was a really good skill, and I think it's helped me throughout my career, is that um, thinking from the top down and understanding um, how to map out uh, an approach to challenges while still being tactical and getting stuff done is a it's an unusual combination, right? And being able to to really make sure you've boiled up um, a problem into the actual problem and solving it rather than trying to play whack-a-mole around a lot of symptoms um, is is a was a skill that um, I was lucky to get from my experience in consulting. Um, but then again, I missed being hands-on and getting it done. So moved into back into the practitioner world. And, and so that combination of skills um, 
like I said, wasn't planned, but it's it served me well because I can speak both languages. And I think it's really great for technologists to be able to uh, cater your mess the message to whoever it is you're speaking with and making sure you can get your message across. It makes it you more impactful as a technologist. So it was a like I said, a lot of meandering. Um, <laughs> and it's got me where I am today, which I'm really, you know, very thankful for. That's fantastic. You also um, are a very successful woman in technology, which though perhaps a, a growing, uh, there are a growing number of you, uh, it's still not uh, nearly where it should be. I can only imagine that at the beginnings of your time in technology, it was probably even more of a paucity of women in your class, uh, you know, studi studying uh, uh, engineering at MIT, for example, way back when. So talk a bit about your own sort of state of the union of, of women in technology from where you sit and what you see in terms of progress or, or progress to come. Yeah. I mean, I, I prefer to think of it as glass half full, right? And the progress we've made. You're right. The numbers were um, definitely not as good when I started my career. And I'm not even going to tell you how many years ago that was, but it was many years ago. Um, you know, I think what's very interesting and, and what I like to focus on with it is I had a lot of really great people that helped me throughout my career and helped what I call sponsor me, right? Really, we're big proponents um, across leadership teams, whether it be at NASA or in some of these consulting roles. And I think the more we do that, the more we're going to continue to kind of grow our diverse ranks and, and helping people and developing them, developing their skills and, and giving them opportunities. So glass half full and that we're, we're much better off than we were, um, but that doesn't mean we stop, right? We continue to work to grow a diverse workforce across many spectrums. So and we're better as we, everyone brings a different angle and a different approach. And I think you bring all that together um, it makes you more effective as a business. So I'm very optimistic, uh, but I know we still have more work to do. Thank you for that perspective. Um, I wanted to also ask you about trends. Uh, as you look to the future and as you contemplate where innovation might uh, might take a company like Assurian or topics of interest to you personally, what are some of the things that, uh, that, that pop to the top of the list for you? Trends. Um, you know, I think... Uh, from a technology perspective, how do we use technology to do a couple of things? One, um, to be a better provider as far as uh, that customer experience. I think looking at things from the customer first is a big area. And, and then you can apply the technology to make that happen. Um, so, you know, uh, I'm really a big fan right now of um, kind of these empathy exercises where you put yourself in the seat of somebody and say, how are they thinking? How are they feeling? How are they doing design thinking concepts? Again, it makes us better technologists as we come up with solutions. I think so. I think more of that customer centric view of the world will um, drive our technology, especially as we become more attuned to having, you know, services brought to our door, our front step doorsteps, right? Like, you know, ordering food, groceries, you know, that's something that came out of the pandemic that I think will continue, maybe not to such extreme levels, but, you know, that convenience is there now. Um, so that I think technology that enables that, the mobile, mobile first kind of experience. I think, you know, AI, machine learning, natural language processing, there's some really amazing work being done in that space, whether it be to just automate things that are um, maybe not differentiators for you that make you more efficient or to provide insight into that experience for your customers, right? Understanding, um, 
being able to connect the dots more quickly on how you serve somebody and understanding, you know, where they've been, what they're looking for. Um, those tools will help a lot. Um, and then, you know, of course, there are things that are automated experiences using better natural language processing. I've been um, spending some time with the different partners to hear what they're doing in natural language processing. It is incredible to see um, that with, you know, combined with some of the the speech tools and things that we can do to make the experience just more human and more effective. So technology is great. I think uh, the trend towards more customer-centric experiences is going to be really critical in this next uh, coming years. And, and which technology is used to do that? It's a, it's a, there's a broad range to offer those up. Yeah. So. Well, Casey Santos, thank you so much for a, a really interesting and broad ranging conversation uh, covering areas of emphasis for you and your team at Assurian, uh, a bit more about kind of your own uh, uh, meandering across across a variety of different opportunities that represent a really interesting and dynamic career, as well as some of your thoughts about the future as well. I've really appreciated your insights. No, it's always great to speak with you, Peter. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Casey. <laughs>